Hello, this is April Navoa with the Everything Considered podcast. And today I'm joined by a frequent guest of mine whom I just love having on, Millie America. Welcome to the show. Thank you, honey. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, we've we've kind of text back and forth here and there. I've been off uh, social media for about a month, guys. I'll be going back on on December 1st. I needed a little bit of uh, a break and I'm in the process of a move and a remodel and a build. <laughs> so I uh, kind of just needed some, some mental space and time away from social media, but this is going to go on YouTube. And it will also go on Substack and Spotify. And then, of course, once I'm back on, I will be sharing this uh, to all the social media uh, uh, platforms. So um, Millie America is an intuitive empath. Uh, she is uh, incredibly insightful. And uh, the other day we were texting back and forth and she made this statement. She said, um, we have to face our fears because not facing fear gives it more power. I had, um, about a week and a half ago, I woke up in the middle of the night in fetal position on my bed in the middle of my king size bed. And I was paralyzed by fear in a way that I hadn't in a very long time. And I remember like about 12, 13 years ago, I read Pema's book, uh, the places that scare you. Mm. for whatever reason that came up I, and I went looking for it but I didn't I don't have a copy of it anymore and I remember sitting with it so for hours crying sobbing shaking paralyzed to the core of what could be because what happens with fear is like I remember years ago reading fear is false evidence appearing real right. it's not real no. I mean the reason we we have fear is is the body's defense to survive mm -hmm. keeping us safe right. so when we're paralyzed by a fear um her book was all about going to those places and actually mm -hmm. sitting with it so i did and what i found was after hours of sobbing and writing and really couldn't even breathe. Like I thought I was going to have like a heart attack. It was that intense. Mm. I realized when I went to the worst case scenario of it, it wasn't the worst case scenario of my life. Right. Right. And yeah. I think it's happening with the state of the world right now. And the last three years have been all about, let's see how much fear we can get into society. Let's mm -hmm. see what we can Let's see how we can control because one of the ways that society controls is by causing an amount of what you fear the most, you know, yes. your survival. Yes. Yeah. There's been a lot of experimentation to that um, fact. And then of course we know about MKUltra and some of the experiments the government has done. And you can definitely control a populace that's made to be afraid. Uh, you can control another person that's made to be afraid. So if I'm a... Uh, psychopath sociopath narcissist and i want to control another person uh if i can keep them in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety and not knowing what's next and which the, when when is the next shoe going to drop i can i can control that person if they're not aware of what's going on you know one of the things that um and you know this gets a little woo but it's it was my experience when i had my near-death experience the entity that I was with showed me my mind 
and it showed me my mind as if it were a fear manufacturing plant. You know, like if uh, have you ever seen uh, I Love Lucy and when she has, there's the 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 belt she's working on with the chocolate, the, with the chocolate. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the belt's just running and it was like, yeah. that was kind of the image that I was given of just it, the mind making fear, you know, on this wow. revolving and I thought, so if the mind makes it, then is it real? And no, it's not. And you're right. It does. It did serve a purpose. You know, when, uh, you know, we were living in the jungles and in the deserts and in the treacherous areas, you know, you'd want to have memory of something bad that occurred so that you didn't do that thing again, or go to that place again, or encounter this again. Right. So the, so the fear was like, that really caused the memory to stick. Like that mountain lion is just not something right around the corner. You just know? don't yeah. want to go near that particular rock. Cause that's where he hangs out. So um, fear has a purpose, but it's not, but when it happens apart from an actual event and it's occurring in the mind, then it's, it can be quite uh, unskillful. It can be very, very even dangerous. You know what? I think, I think that with me and I don't, I don't buy into what they tell us, like what we're told mm -hmm. to, I have to put my glasses on because I can barely see the screen. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I can't, I don't buy into what, what we're being designed to believe. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard for me when I go into a place of my own fear, my worst case fear, because I'm like, I don't, I, and it was one of those things that, and I feel, and I tell a lot of, I tell my children, if you go to the worst case scenario, you realize that the worst case scenario really isn't the worst case scenario. No. I mean, the ultimate scenario is you might die of whatever, right. Right. you might cross the street and get hit by a car. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't live your life based on on the expectation of what could happen. And that's what fear is. Yeah. It's, it's an irrational expectation of what may or may not happen. Right. You can't control all the variables. No. And why, if you can't, then, you know, it's kind of like, uh, oh, that prayer that they say at AA, you know. The serenity prayer. The serenity prayer. You know, it's like, give me, you know, there are things that are out of my control but we, how much do we, time do we devote to worrying about things that are out of our control? And that's most everything, right? And media has a way of making sure that we're entertained by it. And yeah. anything that you are entertained 24 seven becomes your reality. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the sky is falling, you know, Yeah, <laughs> all the time. Well, and that sells, right? I mean, that's part of the draw too. I mean, people, there's a part of us that likes to be in a state of fear. I mean, if you're depressed, anxiety is, you know, feeling anxious or excited is a, a better alternative. And so, you know, people are glued to the media 24 seven because they're getting kind of that hit, but it's also keeping them in a state of constant anxiety, which is detrimental over time. Um, but there, there's another thing you said that I thought was interesting is that if we don't, if we don't sit with it, if we don't, if we don't face it, then mm -hmm. that thing just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes more powerful. 
You know, many, many years ago, I was super afraid of, of I was severely claustrophobic and I couldn't understand why I had this huge fear of even getting an elevator. I'm talking about as a child and everything. Well, mm. about 25 years ago, I had a regression and my first regression, I was actually a slave, like in Egypt on the, under the pyramids. And so the whole idea of not seeing light or being stuck in a small place. So I worked through it and I started putting myself in smaller and smaller and smaller places until I cure myself of it. Then there was this fear of heights. Mm -hmm. couldn't get like in an elevator. I mean, I couldn't get it to like a high riser. And um, my ex and I had this beautiful apartment in, in, on Hallandale, right on the beach. And mm. it, the, I never, the whole three years that we had this apartment that we went every weekend, I never went outside and sat in the balcony. Mm. And we were on the 11th floor and it was like, you could see the intercoastal one side and you could see the ocean and the other. And I, I just couldn't, I was paralyzed past that line. I just couldn't. I had all the windows always closed in the living room because mm. I mean, if I was too close and what happened was that I started, I went bungee jumping. Oh. I said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this thing. So I went bungee jumping and then I went zip lining. And then I started doing things that created the fear mm -hmm. was real. But if I sat with it long enough, I realized this is all in my head. Yeah. So back to when you have an experience and you feel that you're paralyzed by it, like I was a week and a half ago, is once I sat with it, once I could face it and and come from a place of love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is very hard because if you don't love this person who you fear, it's really hard to actually have any kind of compassion for right. yourself or for that person. Yeah. But when I sat with it and I, and I, it's not that I have to have love for this person, but I have to have love for myself in order not to live based on fearing a human being, mm -hmm. because this is not, this is no way to live. Right. And once I did, once I spent hours just you doing what Pema said, mm -hmm. it's something in me broke. It was yeah. like, like I have not slept in years without taking melatonin or taking something to sleep. Mm -hmm. After that, I have slept the last, I would say the last 10 days. I've mm. actually slept peacefully without yes. taking anything, not taking Benadryl, not taking melatonin, not taking some kind of aid. I have slept and, and continue to sleep. I'll wake up, go to the bathroom and go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. So my fear was paralyzing me at night because I felt like I had to be on all the time mm -hmm. in case somebody walked in through my door mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and with a bat next to me, I've been sleeping with a bat, a steel bat right. for three years. Right. I mean, this is no way right. to live. No. So I think that something in me did exactly what Pema said in that book, which was to actually look at it from all angles. Mm hmm. The yeah. fear was in the room with me, in my mind, and I just sat with it. And so that's the same thing with people that are constantly fearing, oh my God, if we're going to go to war. Oh my God, if this is going to happen. Oh my God, there's not going to be any food. Oh my God, there's no more toilet paper. Like, you know, like you go yeah. this whole entire fear of, like, I, I never understood the whole thing with the toilet paper. Yeah. To this To this day, it's like a mystery to me that we go on a <laughs> pandemic 
but the fear of not yeah. something to wipe your ass is so huge that you think yeah. about how you would go to the store and it would be there would be none right so right. one little thing caused a tremendous like of all things Panic. first of all it wasn't a it wasn't a pandemic of stomach problems or kidney or, or or digestive issues right but the thought of humanity not having enough toilet paper to wipe their butts was like huge so, you know it's it's so funny but it's so it's it just kind of like is a very good illustration of how irrational the human mind can be and that's not just certain people that's it, we all have irrational fears at times and those things get imprinted sometimes very young and uh you know richard rudd says something which i really had to contemplate for a while it's it's a very short he said fear is safe hmm. so i don't think it's the fear that's necessarily the problem it's not being willing or able to sit with it we, you know we hmm. try to run from it because if i get to the store and get that toilet paper I don't have to be afraid of, but then there's the next thing I'm afraid of. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not the toilet paper. It's not the, um, the milk and the eggs. It's not all those things. It's, can I sit with this uncomfortable fear? The discomfort in our humanness mm -hmm. creates yeah. scenarios that are not most likely 99 point nine of the time will not be created right it will not be um it's an irrational expectation so yes. what we fear to be like the example of the toilet paper i mean in in puerto rico most houses have a bidet right we, we didn't use toilet paper to clean our butts so to <laughs> me yeah it, no like yeah. i don't i didn't understand like you still have a pitch of you know, you still have water. So it's not like, you know, go take a shower. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, and there's always alternatives to everything, right? You don't have milk and eggs. So you have water and crackers. I mean, you know, there's, it's just this unwillingness to, instead of sit with that. Okay. So I'm feeling afraid right now. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of being able to sit with that, we try to find a, the, the mind goes to work to try to bypass it. So we mm -hmm. don't have to sit with it. You know, and then there's a certain shame around having fear too, which that shouldn't be there. Like, it's okay. Like your brain does this. It's yeah. not, you're not a bad person because you have this fear. You, your brain does, does this. It's very ancient and you're not necessarily in control of that, but you can go into the fear. Okay. I'm afraid of running out of milk. Okay. All right, let's fill that fear of the milk going away because I'm if I'm really attached to my milk, I'm feeling it. That's intense. Okay, I'm feeling it. But then I can become calm and practical and say, well, there's alternatives to milk. There's things I can do instead of milk, you know. But running from the fear, like trying to get away from it, mm -hmm. takes you out of the solution, which is to think outside the box, like to come to use your use the mind in a, in a good way. And that is to come up with a solution, like an alternative. You know, if you don't have toilet paper, well, you have water, you've got paper, you've got uh, wash rags, you know, there's, there's alternatives, right. Um, but we're so trained to just flee the fear instead of lean into it. 
And that goes also like if, you know, somebody, I remember when my mother um, found out she had cancer for the second time and the 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 doctor told her she had never smoked ever in her life. And she had, her lungs were full of cancer. Mm. He gave her four months to live. Mm-hmm. And she owned the four months exactly almost to the day from when she heard that she had right. cancer. So what happens is like, we allow other people to dictate our fear and then it becomes a real, I mean, we you manifest we are, it. Mani- you manifest everything. Yeah. And, fear, and what is fear? A lower vibration is yes. the, it's on the bottom of like, you know, of yes. all the vibrations. So if you own that fear, fear of losing your child, fear of losing your health, fear of losing mm. your money, fear of not being able to survive, fear of you, what it does is it creates a ripple effect on other things in your life. Yeah. Which is what I realized that I had been creating this monster that wasn't even allowing me to sleep. And I wasn't even conscious of the fact that for the last three, four years of my life, I have not felt safe at night. Right. So it creates, uh, nothing has changed. No. Person still roaming out there. Nothing has changed. Sure. What changed was that not only did I look at it from every direction, every single direction of the fear, of the rationale of survival, of, of death, mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever you want to call it, that, that innate feeling of, I can't protect my own children. I can't protect myself. Mm-hmm. The minute that I looked at it from every angle, it was like, poof. Yeah. This is so irrational. This doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. But I sat with it to look at it, that it was irrational to me. Yeah. It was as rational as, you know, the sweater is red. This is concrete. Uh, this is why I fear this person. And no, I mean, yeah, I, I remember I'll share a quick story of um, well, I lived in Los Angeles when during the time that the Night Stalker was oh. running around and uh, Richard Ramirez and, uh, and people were terrified and the news was just pumping it out 24 seven, pumping it out, pumping it out, pumping it out. Like every time you turn on the news, he'd struck again. And this is the gru- gruesome details of what he did and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, we were didn't have an alarm system or anything like that and my husband happened to work the graveyard shift so I was alone all night by myself and so I would line glasses on the window seal because my thing was well if he comes in it's gonna right. knock the glasses on the floor yeah. and I'll get a running chance right so I was I was sharing this how with irrational my... is that it's like that was your alarm yeah yeah because I couldn't afford an alarm so the glasses yeah. were going to be what what took care of me but I was expressing this fear to a friend's mother whose husband had always worked the night shift. And she said to me, she goes, you know, if he's going to get in, he's going to get in and he'll probably kill you. And for some reason, <laughs> this sounds terrible. Yeah. It, actually, it actually relaxed me. Cause I thought here I am thinking that I have some sort of like, I can, I can stop this by my actions There's something I can do. But if that's, if it's my time, it's my time. If he's determined enough to do it, it's going to happen. And I slept fine after that because I was like, okay, well, you know, I put the glasses up there. I'll probably get a running chance, you know, um, if in the unlikelihood that this occurs and, you know, and then they caught him and it was all over. But, you know, I remember that terror of feeling out of control 
you know, and wanting to come up with all these things to save myself and protect myself and even wanting my husband to quit his job and get another job that was, you know, daytime, right. you know, um, but it was, it was so irrational because we, we have this illusion that we can control all the variables all the time, but if we relax into the fear and, and okay, I'm afraid, um, but I'm making this thing so much more powerful than it actually is. There's a million people in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, more, he would have to be pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. More than a million people, yeah. like maybe a billion. I don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot of people there. Like he would have to really be very, very busy to have gotten to me. And, uh, but I, I had made it so big in my mind. And when she said that, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that I could relax because I, I had, you know, I, I understood, okay, well you do what you can do, yeah. but beyond that, you can't do anything, you know, and it's okay. You can just relax into that. It's so funny. I, when I go down to Miami, I drive usually at midnight because I, I rather like drive when there's nobody on the road and. I have several friends in Miami and when, you know, they're older and they're sixties or seventies and they're like, I, I would never be able to do that. You know, these are Cuban women that yeah, they don't drive at night. They don't. And I'm like, he goes, what if something happens to you? <laughs> it could happen to me during the day too. I mean, it's not like, you know, yeah. I said, you know, I was brutally raped when I was 18. So, and I've had relationships with people that have actually put myself in that kind of situation mm -hmm. to me that's checked off. It's like, mm -hmm. what are the chances that it happens again? Right. In other words, when you live or died in the hospital, like you did, or that is not a concern of mine that I am going to get, someone's going to come and hurt me. Cause that's like, I've checked it off. <laughs> like, I've you know, done that. Been there. My brain <laughs> does not like you know, I've survived worse things in my life and I don't, in other words, I know maybe that's irrational, but when I say that to them, they're like, it makes no sense, Millie. And I go, but it does to me. It's not like, yeah. well, it could happen again. And I go, then it's like hitting the lotto twice. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't, I don't live in that space of I shouldn't drive at night because something could happen. Right. You know, And my car doesn't even have, it came without a like a an extra tire what do you call it a a, a, a spare i don't have a spare in my car apparently yeah. the that they do the tires i don't know the mechanism and right. so th when they found that out it was like the hell like and i'm like it was not like i was going to change the tire anyways in the middle of the night like i don't well yeah but i if mean you go to the places that you fear what is your worst case scenario if you if you run out of gas or you whatever people are going to come by and okay, maybe he's a serial killer. Maybe he's not, but if he's not, he's probably going to help me change, you know, get help for me. I think the thing is like with the height thing or with the claustrophobia, when you don't face it, yeah. you have created a scenario that is so irrational. The same with everything that's going on in the world. You know, they'll yes. tell you, you know, the banking system is going to crash or, you know, we're going to have blackouts. Okay. And then what does it matter if we have yeah. black, well, everybody's going to have a blackout. People so, have survived a lot worse a throughout lot more. history. Exactly. You know, J.R. Tolkien says a man that flees from his fear that he has only taken a short, he has only, only taken a shortcut to meet it. Yeah. So that's like the more you run from it, but if we go inward and we go into a space of inquiry and we try to have understanding around it, that can really help, you know, bring down the voltage of that fear. 
you know, like, okay, uh, you know, there's somebody going to get me if my car, you know, if my, if I blow a tire, you know, I can call, I've got AAA, I can call them. Like you can sit down and just kind of walk into the fear instead of looking to external authority to somehow, because they're not defining safety for you. Uh-uh. Like the external yeah. authorities are counting on you mm-hmm. remaining in a panic. And they yeah. do that with everything they sell on TV. You yeah. know, everything is, you better get this and insurance and you better, everything's revolving around keeping this charge of the fear going on. But if you stop and you slow down and you really just walk into that space and start asking yourself some questions, why am I afraid? Um, how could, you know, how, what, if that did happen, if that occurred, how could I handle that? You know, what are the, what are the things in place that will help me? What are the alternatives? Because there's a lot hey, of you go further than I do, because I don't even go there. Like, I don't even think about if I get myself in the, in this situation, how do I get out of it? I don't even go there because in my mind, I'm not going to get myself in that situation. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't even go there and I go to sleep. Like if I'm tired, I'll stop at a rest stop and I'll just put my seat back and I'll go to sleep. And one of my kids will call me like two o'clock in the morning. Hey, are you leaving? I'm like, no, I'm halfway there. I was just I didn't taking a like, nap. Why did you tell us that you were? I'm like, cause I don't need to tell you what I'm yeah. going or not coming or whatever. I don't go into that place of, I, I don't. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing with our humanness. If we go to the worst fear mm-hmm. and we investigate it we we start excavating it mm-hmm. a lot of times is trauma from childhood a lot of times it's something that already has happened and so we fear going through that same exact experience all over again yeah but a lot of times it's been instilled in us by our parents or by society and we've never even experienced anything close to it no 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 like you no. with the glass you've never experienced that but yet in your mind, it yeah. was possible that this man could come into your house. You I was creating I mean? that as a possibility in my mind. Right. And, and I was, I was tuned in to things that would support that fear constantly. Oh yeah. You know, so it was, it was be the suggestion. It's almost, it's really hypnotic. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we come up with a suggestion that comes out of the creativeness of our mind. <laughs> and then we tune into things that support that, that keep it going. You know, that's, that's the thing. Like I think back to 200 years ago, um, people didn't know if something catastrophic happened on the other side of the world, they'd find out a year later. Yeah. They'd find out a year later. Rosa Parks had a good quote and and I like this. Rosa Parks was uh, the gal that braved to walk into a, a school that was predominantly white during the sixties. She said, I have learned that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. That's Rosa Parks. And so when you make a decision about, okay, this is how I'm going to handle this. I'm going to handle this. I'm not looking to someone else to define this for me because they're not going to. They're going to, they're going to support the fear. I'm looking to make a decision that comes from within that I have clarity about. And so you see, did you ever see the movie, the hangover? Yes. Yes. Long time ago. One of my dearest friends, Gloria, she sends me this little 
clip now is like now it's a joke mm-hmm. when something really bad happens there's a, the Chinese guy uh questions Bradley Cooper and says you know why didn't you show up and he goes well I got shot at it and so he goes but did you die and but you did you die it? so now the joke is when something really bad happens we'll say to each other but did you die are you dead right and if you go to the worst case scenario and you're still here you made it you're you just, made it you're yeah. good you're good that's where I mean it really is about examining You know, my son, I I found out maybe a few years ago that when my two little ones, you know, I was, I was 23. So I had a a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I was frying fish in this apartment and it caught fire. And I got him to take his little brother down the stairs and I was trying to put the fire out. So he has a thing about not frying fish. I didn't know this. Wow. (laughs) This was... This is like a few years ago. And I go, but we're still here. Look, fish. you are alive. (laughs) You're alive. It's okay. I mean, you have an extinguisher and your fire extinguisher next to you always, if you want in the kitchen, but don't live so fearful of frying fish or frying anything that you don't get to enjoy the fish because I tried burning the kitchen down. In other words, yeah. I understand that being a valid memory for a three-year-old, you know what I mean? But a lot of times they're not, the fears we have are so irrational that has nothing to do with uh, experiences that we had. You know, my grandmother in Puerto Rico, when she was very young, um, she had, she was cooking and a lightning bolt hit through the kitchen floor right next to her. Mm. So the whole time that I'm a child, as soon as it would start every afternoon, it would start like raining or, and, and over there it rains as a rainforest or it rains every afternoon and thunder and lightning come with it. I mean, it's yeah. like 10 minutes and then the sun comes out. Part of life. You know, the, the maids or whoever was in her house had to close all, had to close all and put the TV on really loud because mm. the whole thing for her was like another lightning bulb would come through. And so I I remember going, but but it's not, <laughs> you know, I mean, even she as was a stuck. Child, but she had, she was stuck there. Yeah. And that's the thing, like in life, people become so paralyzed. I mean, they, they can't go forward in life. They'll never, they won't enjoy life to the extent that they did before. They won't, right. they won't do whatever that thing is. And they're missing out on life. I mean, to be afraid to live completely imprisoned by fear is to not live. I mean, you, you're already kind of not living. You're already kind of dying. You know, um, I, I think about, um, when my, I was in a car accident when I was 19, it was a three car pileup and I was the middle car and I broke my nose and it was very traumatic. And, um, at the time I was living with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And he had, he played uh, semi-pro baseball married to him now. Um, but he, um, he injured his hamstring and I would not get on the highway. I was terrified of the highway because of the accident. And in pretty much every day he was driving us commuting, he was doing all the driving, but he couldn't when he tore his hamstring. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you got to do this, you know? And the first time I did it, we drove, we took all the side streets and it took us like three hours to get home. (laughs) And finally, I just, because it wasn't going to get better overnight, I had to just get on the highway and I did it. 
but if he hadn't, if that situation had gone differently and he hadn't, um, you know, kind of put me in a position where I had to do it, I, I might still be in the stay. exact same, you would, you would still probably be in the exact same spot. Yeah. And, and that's how, yeah. that's what happens to people. They have something traumatic happen and they get, they get stuck. And what we're really trying to encourage people to do is walk into the fear and face it. Uh, Joseph Campbell says the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Yep. And in Jinkies, we teach that the, the gift is in the shadow. And so you literally have to excavate and go into the shadow to find the good stuff. You have well, to. That goes with this quote from the book, from the, from Pema's book. Only when we know our own darkness, well, can we present can we be present with the darkness of others? Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. Mm. The reason that that is so important is because when we start to recognize that the fear we have is also joined by others, mm -hmm. we can have compassion for them and also try and help them navigate their fear. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Like, like I understood my grandmother's fear and, and, and I remember I would try at an 11 year old little girl or 12 year old, 12 years old. I would, I would sit with her and hold her hand and I would say to her, I know, but can you imagine how beautiful it would be to have these curtains open so we can look out as it's raining? Yes. <laughs> it was like, she would allow me just a little bit and then she would go, but I mean, she was older and she was set in her ways, but yeah, when we hold compassion for another because of their fear, mm -hmm. we can actually help shift that ripple mm -hmm. of, you know, like survival or right. paralyze because fear is all about paralyzing. It's mm -hmm. all, it's the worst. Well, it takes your breath away. It causes anxiety, it causes depression. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and it is, I mean, what's the worst and what is our worst fear is survival. Yeah. Dying is our, is dying. our fear. Dying, you know, and we're that, all going to do it. We're all going there. Yeah. And we're and it, another, we're all going there. Yeah. And I mean, certainly you can, you can take steps to, you know, live healthier or make better choices, but ultimately we all have that date. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody knows it. Nobody, nobody knows. No one Unless you decide to check out on your own. Nobody really right. knows. You know? Nobody really knows. Nobody. And so you just, you can't stop living because you're afraid of dying. I mean, do you see how silly that sounds? Don't stop living yeah. because you're afraid of dying. An oxymoron. Yeah. It, yeah. The reality is that the minute that we take our first breath, you're dying. The journey is just to get there. Yeah. The journey exactly. is all about getting to death. Yeah. So that is the worst case, like the fear of not no longer being here well that's the only reason that you were born is to go down that path everything else is just a bonus yeah yeah it, and really it can teach you a lot i mean i learned a lot about um coming into my power mm -hmm. you know being afraid and doing it anyway mm -hmm. you know um uh with my in my book with my situation like facing someone and saying i'm leaving and you're going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that um, is, that is definitely taking your power back. Yeah. And if not for the fear, I wouldn't have necessarily learned that, learned to do that. Like that was necessary for me to come to, to face it and to go into it and realize even in that situation, I had some agency I could, and I won't get, I won't get into that too much, but 
we all have some agency, even in tough situations, we all have choices we can make on how to proceed. Will it always turn out perfectly? Mm. You know, I don't know. And from a certain perspective, it's all perfect, right? Because it's all about learning. It's all about the evolution of your soul. So whatever lessons you're supposed to learn, you know what? You just learned another one. Yeah. So it's, and, and your lesson, it might be completely different than mine. Your journey is completely different than mine. Right. So what you fear, it's not going to be the same fears that I have, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And yet that doesn't make them any different. Like the thing with the toilet paper, it, you know, there are people out there that literally had a tremendous fear of not having something to wipe their butt with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're I mean, still seeing a lot of that, you know, and it's, and it's one of those things where you realize since the beginning of time, there has always been a way to control our minds, whether it's mass control or our parents mm. or, or whatever, by the only way to control somebody is to cause them fear. Yes. Yes. And the, the cure is to walk into it and face it and mm. to act and to ask questions around that. You know, I mean, why, you know, it could be something like, I'm afraid what they think. Yeah. Right. If I do this thing, I'm afraid of what they're going to think. Maybe. So, so what, so what are they going to think? Are they going to judge you? Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so what? Are they that important to you? Right. What can they do to you? They just are going to sit and gossip and judge you. Mm -hmm. So what? So what? Do you want those people in your life? Right. Do you want people in your life? That but I had that. Judgy? I, I, I suffer from that for a very long time. I, I was afraid of what people would think if they knew that I actually, um, I spoke to dead people or that I saw things that most people didn't see and mm-hmm. had to constantly tell them that I got, I, I was able to like get psychoanalyzed. <laughs> that I actually had healthy papers. Like to me, it was important that I would always say, and I have been checked. I don't have schizophrenia. Right. Like it was so important for me to clarify. I see this. Yeah. And yet I don't have a defragmentational mind. I don't have a psychosis. I don't have a diagnosis. I'm okay. Like, what do I care? Who cares what they think about me? But it's taken me 55 years to get to that point where I don't yeah. care. Whatever you yeah. think about me, it's whatever you think about yourself. We give authority. Really huh? we, give us, we give authority oh, yes. to, to, to people that don't need it, don't deserve it. it. And truly you have an authority inside of you that already knows what's correct for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, do you feel like you have to ask permission to, to take up space? I mean, I think that's how a lot of people feel like, you know, I have to, I can't question anything. I can't question the authorities. If they say this is what we should do, then what, this is what we should do. Really? Really? I mean, there's atrocities have been, uh, uh, have occurred because people blindly followed authority instead of like really listening to their own inner knowing and their conscience. And one of the things fear does is it helps you if you'll turn it around and what is it I feel about this? What is correct for me? Mm-hmm. And you might shake and you might tremor and, and struggle and stammer as you say, no, that's not correct for me. Or this is what I'm going to do. Or this is what I believe, or this is who I am. But so what? They can just go fly a kite. They can, <laughs> you know, 
just go. It's such a nice way of saying. Yeah, it's it's a nice way of saying what I really want to say, but but I won't say because you know the whole FCC thing. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so what? So what? What other people think? What is correct for you? Mm-hmm. You know, your powers is also a way to um to get rid of the fears. Yes, because. Yeah. Once you own your power and you are in your authenticity and you are not rattled by what anyone thinks of you, yeah, there's massive power in that. Such power that you change a room walking in even without people knowing why. Well, oh, this person has confidence. You don't even have to open up your mouth. Yeah. Because yeah. you own it. You own your energy. You own, you know, you love yourself enough to respect every part of you. Yes. And it's okay to do it a little anxious. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you're first learning how to ride a bike and they'd take the training wheels off, mm-hmm. you're anxious. Mm-hmm. You've never done it before. You might fall several yeah. times. So you're, you're standing up for yourself. You're walking <laughs> in your truth. You're, you're being unapologetically you. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel a little wobbly at first. Yeah. That's going to happen. Embrace it, you know, and then in time you won't feel so wobbly, mm. you know, just embrace, embrace it. Uh, if you don't, you just make that thing bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you become paralyzed and then you can never do it. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a comedian by the name of Kyle Cease. Haven't seen a whole lot of him in the last couple of years, uh, but his name came up the other day and he will get on stage and immediately say, boy, I'm really nervous. This is scary. Like he'll just state it like matter of factly. And by doing that, once he's done that, he's fine after that. Yeah, Everything goes seamlessly after that because he's, he's owned it. I'm nervous. I'm fearful. I'm shaking. You know, uh, this is hard for me. And then he's in the flow. But if you, if you, if we can't embrace it and say, okay, yeah, that's what I'm feeling right now. Okay. Sue me. (laughs) That's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling nervous as I'm speaking to you. I'm feeling shaky as I admit this to be true. I'm feeling wobbly as I, as I walk out and, and express who I am. That's okay. That's okay. I love that. You know, I I had tremendous fear and it was fear of, um, doing podcasts or, or being in front of people. Yeah. About about three years ago or two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing Facebook lives, which if anybody knows that there is Facebook live, there is no, like, you can't go back and erase it. That scares me. (laughs) <laughs> right I, yeah. I remember when i first did one with you you're like i don't know, I don't like, know. <laughs> like, you control, you know i'm like you know what if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out with a bang i'm That's not right. That's i don't right. care i mean at this point i'm even surprised at the stuff that comes out of my mouth <laughs> like i don't i don't even i don't but it was it was a huge fear of what what will somebody think of me because it's that fear that you know do I think I'm crazy or, you know, my hair is too white. I mean, whatever. I pick all the wrinkles in my forehead. I mean, I had a list apparently of things that I would shred myself to pieces about. And then I finally was like, somebody sat with me, um, about two years ago and she was a coach. And we were talking about one of the books that I had, I had given, I have written a, a chapter for a book, an anthology. She's like, have you ever thought about actually doing public speaking? I'm like, no, why? <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> like, because you're very entertaining. And, you know, yeah. she gave me X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, what would I be able to say 
that was the thing. What would I be able to say that hasn't already been said? Right. And she looked at me and she goes, but they haven't heard it from you. Right. And at that moment I realized, oh my God, I do have a voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's that keeping myself very small in order not to ruffle any feathers and yes. not to make anybody else feel bad. I'm going to make myself really, really small. Mm-hmm. I got time for that. No, who has time for that? Well, here's mm-hmm. the thing too. And I think this, this happens to a lot of us and not to play the victim card. Cause that's not what it's about. It's about being empowered. But I think like a lot of times, if we had people in our lives growing up that uh, did not, did not like us to shine wanted us to stay in our place and keep quiet. You know, it's that old children shall be seen and not heard thing of our generation, right? So it plants this kind of like, I'm too much. I, uh, or I'm not good enough, or this is wrong with me, or that's wrong with me. And that, and those fears just kind of, like you said, paralyze us. And then we just don't do it. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know what? What if I make a mistake? That's the other thing. What if I screw up? I screw up all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I told somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody one time and I said, I'd rather go back and fix it than not do it at all. Yeah. You know, and I do that a lot. Like I'm a writer and I have dyslexia. So I write things and I'm looking at it and it looks all peachy king to me. And then I publish it and then I go back and read it again. And I'm like, fudge. <laughs> I, I see. didn't know you had dyslexia. I do. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I when I was, anything. yeah, when I was growing up, I would write words with the letters out of order. And then the teachers would yell at me and call me, I was, you know, stupid. And then I, I trained myself to go back and to rearrange them in the correct order they wanted, but I don't see things initially in the correct right. order. And so I uh, didn't have a word for it. I didn't understand. I had that until I was probably in my late forties. Um, but you know, it's like, am I, should I just be quiet? Should I not write what's on my heart? Or should I just screw it up and then, you know, go back later and take a look at it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and then just fix it, edit it later. And I do that all the time. I edit later, you know, I'm sh- and I don't, I just don't care. My husband said to me when I was writing my book, he said, just stop thinking about edit. You just write it. We'll go back and deal with all that later. Just right. Yeah. Just do it. And so I did. And then he's, he's has an education in journalism. So he would go back and go through it for me. And that was very helpful. But in doing that, I learned to be, to be able to go back and do it for myself. And I also learned to just do it, yeah. you know, just do it. That's uh, it. That's a, like the Nike, just do it. Yeah. Just, That's it. just yeah. do it. Stop with the what ifs and if that, and maybe this, and they'll think that, and it's like, you know what? Stop. Just, just let that go. Do it anyway. Yeah. You, you might be wobbly. You might make mistakes. It may not go perfect. You may not pronounce things properly or whatever, you know, so what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, you know, Thank you, you so much, your conversations oh. are always so wonderful. I always walk away going, oh, can she just move closer? <laughs> I know. I know. I hate that. We're like, what four or five six hours away from one another too far yeah too far too far it'd be really nice to live close and to be able to have these conversations more often and I'm so grateful for you for initiating this conversation because um yeah it's an important one and I think it's very especially with what's going on in the world right now Mm -hmm. and so much is is just being pumped you know into the media into social media uh to just keep off social media so like I deactivated all of my accounts. So it's kind of, 
there's a, a sense of relief that is just incredible. Like, and I don't watch news. So I don't know what's going on. If it doesn't come through the radio, I don't, I have no clue what's going on in the world and I'm okay. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to take care of what's right in front of you. Yes, you do. And then, yeah. Well, here's the thing too, about that. Like a lot of things that we hear, we don't have firsthand knowledge of. Mm -hmm. So how do we even know that any of right. it's accurate? Mm -hmm. We're getting, we're getting, we're finding out what is, you know, what the narrative is, what we need to believe based on who wants us to believe it and why. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we can just stay in our own lanes, live our lives, keep it simple, you know, if you need to know something, it's that important then check it out, but try not to hang out there. Cause it's kind of a dark, dark space guys. So it really is. it's definitely been a relief being off of social media for the last month. And, and it's given me time to connect with my, my friends like Millie here. So, so thank you, Millie, for coming on. This was a pleasure as always, and we will have to do it again very soon. And I everyone, you. I love you. I love all of you. You have a wonderful day. Just relax. Do it. Do it. Even if your, your voice, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> See you Bye. again soon. Bye everybody.